Hi, I'm Dr. Allison Cole, sleep medicine specialist and bona fide chronic insomniac. Welcome to the Sleep is My Waking Passion podcast. Remember, knowledge is empowerment, and if applied correctly, it can help you biohack your way to a better night of sleep, just like I did. If this resonates with you, please follow me on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Hello, and welcome to the Sleep is My Waking Passion podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about sort of the myth of the benefits of daylight savings time. And I have a true expert. I have with me Dr. Karen Johnson. She is from Bay State, and she has trained at Beth Israel Deaconess. She is originally from the Boston area and continues to live in Western Massachusetts. And she has been intimately involved in a group called Save Standard Time. And they have a series of videos called The Science of Clock Change. And I watch these videos. They're very easy. They're only about like five to seven minutes long. So little tidbits of information. And we're going to talk and really dive deep today about why it's important to consider the abolishment of daylight savings time. So Karin, welcome. Thank you. Please introduce yourself. You already gave me a great introduction. <laughs> I'm a neurologist and sleep doctor in Western Mass, and I'm also on the ASM Advocacy Committee, and have really got involved in this topic. Right. So both of us, Karen and I, met because we're both on the ASM Advocacy Committee. The ASM is the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. So it's basically the giant nerd convention that we really enjoy being part of. And some of you may have heard that in Congress... There is something called the Sunshine Protection Act, and we're about to break that down because we're not protecting anything. It sounds like a very catchy way to push an agenda through Congress. And basically what they want to do is stop clock change, right? But in the wrong way. Would you agree, Karin? That's right. We are really advocating for permanent standard time because we do want to end clock change. 75% of Americans want to end clock change, but we need to do it in the right way. Why is it that we're both talking about this and thinking it's so important? Um, like what's bad about daylight savings time? What should people really kind of learn from this? So there's two things. There's the short-term effects. And a lot of us sort of know and feel a lot of those effects. So in the spring and fall, when we change the clocks, especially in the spring when we lose that hour of sleep and we're going from the more favorable standard time to the less favorable daylight savings time, we have an increase in car crashes, in deaths, depression episodes, strokes, and heart attacks. So a lot of things happen right after that change when we both lose sleep as well as have this new circumstance circadian sort of jolt to our system. But what a lot of people don't realize is there's actually long-term effects that we get the whole time we're on daylight savings time. Once you kind of get past that acute period, you stop blaming it on daylight savings time. So when people are complaining about their insomnia and their difficulty falling asleep at night, they're not saying that's because of daylight savings time, but that is probably a factor for quite a few people of why it can be so hard when it's light late at night and not as light in the morning to get to sleep, to get enough sleep. And it really impacts certain groups of people. So especially teenagers who have this natural sort of delay in their rhythm, and then anyone that has to get up for work, school, parenting before 8 a.m. Lose sleep. Studies have shown that with an hour later sunrises and sunsets, on average, we lose about 19 minutes of sleep. But if we have to be at work by like 7 a.m., you lose about 36 minutes of sleep. 
and parents who have to get up their kids by 8 a.m. lose about 23 minutes of sleep. So it really affects, again, not only the duration, but the quality and the timing and the regularity of our sleep. So daylight savings time, there's quite a bit of history here with why it was started. Can you touch base and share with folks that this is not a new concept, why it even came about, what's happened when people have tried it before? Because this is not new. We're sort of almost like trying to redo history, but not in a good way. And I think people need to know about that. So time zones go all the way back to the 1880s for the railroad. People needed to align time so that we wouldn't crash trains into each other. But then people had to decide what time to be on. So standard time is the time where the sun is overhead at noon at the center of the time zone. Daylight savings time is shifted by an hour. So the sun is closer to overhead at 1 p.m. Now, some places, and especially the U.S., on the western ends of a lot of time zones are actually already, even on standard time, off by about an hour, which means they can be off by almost two hours when they're on daylight savings time. And despite the time on our clocks, phones, and our watches, our bodies really follow the sun. We know that our body rhythms, our circadian rhythms, really stay aligned to the sun no matter what time it says on our clock, which means we aren't ready to go to bed. We aren't ready to go to work. And we're on daylight savings time. We're forcing that getting up an hour early to get going in the morning. I guess in terms of the history in 1974, as well as in World War II, we tried permanent daylight savings time twice before, and both times it was very unfavorable. It gets really dark in the winter. Some places for the whole four months that we're currently doing standard time would have darkness after 8 a.m., some places being dark all the way till 9 o'clock, 9.20 in the morning. And the southern states actually have longer periods of darkness than even the northern states. So it gets very dark. It leads to more depression. It leads to more kids being killed at their school bus stops. And it really causes problems that we don't appreciate in the summer when we're on it, but it gets sort of exponentially worse in the wintertime. Karn, would you mind talking what we mean when we talk about the circadian rhythm and how our brains kind of naturally keep time? Because at the end of the day, folks, we are biologic beings. We may think that we're these evolved creatures that have computers and we kind of dictate things and, and you know, it's sort of like mind over matter. But at the end of the day, we're truly organisms, just like any other organism that lives on this planet. Yeah. So in our brain, we have sort of what we call our master clock. And that's set by different things, but most importantly, by light. So light comes into our eyes, sends a signal in our brain. This then controls hormones like melatonin, cortisol, which have a very sort of regular rhythm. And each day we need that light to kind of reset our clock to stay on a 24-hour rhythm. Without the right light exposure at the right times, this rhythm can get delayed. So then our master body clock sends signals to our clocks in every single cell in our body. So it sends it to our gut to say, we're going to be eating at this time. Let me get ready. So if you are not eating at the time your body wants you to, you can get indigestion. It sends signals to the pathways that are involved with sleep that says this is when you should be sleeping versus not sleeping. So if you're not sleeping on that schedule, you're not going to do as well. It sends signals to your heart, to every organ in the body. And that's why when there is a regularity there, it affects 
everything. So we see more obesity, we see more heart disease, we see more cancer. We need to be aligned. We work best when we're aligned, not only that organ function, but also our brain function. So we make better decisions. Our reaction time is better. People do better at sports. People do better at school. People make better decisions at work. And all of that has been shown if we can have that better circadian alignment and gets worse, the more irregular our schedule is. So one marker of irregularity is what we call social jet lag. And that's when people sleep a lot later on weekends than weekdays. So we know that people that have that greater social jet lag just do not perform as well and don't feel as well and aren't as healthy. So the majority of people basically have a clock that actually is a little bit longer than 24 hours, correct? Exactly. So that light, and since because light is so important to sort of readjusting that internal clock, it's important for us to try to be able to get light as soon as we can the beginning of the day. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that morning light sort of pulse that we get is really important for resetting our clock, keeping us on that 24 hours. If we miss that light or if we get too much light at night, it actually pushes us later and later. And so instead of being able to anticipate our activities and anticipate what our body wants to do, we're a step behind. So when we institute things like daylight savings time, instead of us getting the light sooner in the day and it getting dark sooner at night, which basically helps to keep us in that natural rhythm to a certain extent because we are beings that really sunlight affects us in a very significant way, daylight savings kind of works against that, correct? Yeah. And especially at the midwinter when you lose that morning light and then the midsummer when you're getting really late sunsets. So I have had folks when you're on like Facebook and, you know, I have like a private account. I don't have that many friends. But when I'm going to my friends, I'm like, hey, guys, guess what? I'm going to this hill day thing. And it's really important that we get rid of daylight savings time. I've had folks be honest and say, but Allison, I really kind of like the fact that I have this like longish day and I don't think I mind it so much. But that I think is really just a trick of the mind. And that's why I'm calling this a myth buster episode, because I think it's sort of a myth that we tell ourselves because we associate things, as you mentioned. Can you talk a little bit about that? Some of the the things that people have associated with daylight savings time that may actually, in fact, not completely be correct. So, you know, it's interesting because if you look at the news all the way back in the early 1900s, when they were first talking about this, they use this analogy of the Indian blanket, that you would cut the blanket off at one end and re-sew it to the other end. So we aren't changing the length of the day with daylight savings time or standard time. It's the same length. It's just where do you kind of set the clock? So you still can have as long of a day and people's social schedules can then adjust to give you just as much of the day. And one thing, if people are actually more productive and able to get more done in a shorter period of time because they've slept better and felt better and their brain's working better, we may be able to adjust school and work schedules to give that same duration of time at the end of the day. But the other big thing is a lot of people really associate winter and standard time and summer and daylight savings time, because that's 
how they've been exposed to it. So when people think, oh, I'm going on the daylight savings time, I love it. What a lot of people are saying is, I love summer. I love when it's getting warmer. I love when the days are getting longer. In early March, the days were starting to get longer. The days were starting to get warmer. And you already feel, oh, this is great. Spring is coming on. Then we got the change, then felt bad for two weeks because our sleep was all disrupted and our circadian rhythms weren't aligned. But we could have just gone on and gotten those benefits of those longer days. And when you get into the peaks of the winter and the summer, that incremental light doesn't really matter. In the winter, it's still dark, (laughs) you know, basically as soon as you get out of work, whether you're on daylight savings time. And in the summer, it's laid out anyways. And often because it gets so warm in the summer, people are actually waiting for it to get dark or for the sun to start to go down to be able to go out for it to cool off. And so weather is actually a much bigger factor for a fair amount of whether you go out and are enjoying that summer rather than that light exposure. So I would argue we can enjoy summer just as much. Arizona, Hawaii, places have been on standard time this whole time, and they're some of the most summery places out there. So Arizonans say, I need it to get dark earlier to go out and enjoy the heat more. So that really needs to be looked at differently. And when people think about the effects, they got to think about what's the summer effect and what is the daylight savings time effect. You spoke earlier, and I want to emphasize it because I think it's so key, the vulnerable in our population, the folks that are really going to be the most negatively impacted. And what's very profound about that is that it really is are young people, especially our teenagers who have that. When we talk about a delayed sleep phase, we're really referring to this desire that we just don't feel like we want to go to sleep at a time when other people will. We'll want to go to sleep later. And if we could, we'd sleep a little longer. Like our clocks are delayed or, you know, our internal clocks are delayed. And that is something that sort of happens very naturally in teenagers. Again, they are our most vulnerable population because they are the folks that are going to grow up and become adults. We've got to, they still have developing brains and we want to give them every opportunity, I think, to succeed and lead healthy and happy lives. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that about how significant daylight savings time can be in terms of negatively impacting that population? We know if kids develop mood problems, obesity problems, you know, that lives with them forever. If they don't do as well as school, they don't have better job prospects. And we have some real data on this. Russia tried daylight savings time for three years, and they found the highest rates of seasonal depression in adolescents during permanent daylight savings time. And when they switched to permanent standard time, they found lower rates than even when they were on seasonal daylight savings time. In Indiana, they used to have most of the state on standard time. And there was a great study over 10 years that compared the parts of the state that were on permanent standard time versus the parts of the state on seasonal daylight savings time. And they found that the standard time people did better on their standardized test scores. So there was about 16 points average higher test scores with the standard time people. And that wasn't even felt evenly across the population. So it was about eight points lower if you're the highest income, but about 49 points points lower if you were in the lowest income. So not only is there more effects on teenagers, but there's more effects on sort of 
at-risk teenagers in the lower incomes. And we know that there are sleep disparities that are based on race, that are based on income, that have many factors, light, sound, how many jobs you work. A lot of lower income families do have a lot of those earlier fixed start times that can't change. So you get sort of a double whammy working against you if you have that sort of pattern to your life. Now, I'm not a huge Bill Maher fan. I don't regularly listen to him, but I do have the TMZ app on my phone because that's how I get my news. I can't believe I'm admitting that, but I actually really like that app. In addition to some of the silliness, they actually sometimes pull in these clips from shows. And so Bill Maher, about a month ago, had a panel and he had uh, Russell Brand, who's a comedian, and another guy that I don't remember his name. And then he had Bernie Sanders on. And why am I bringing this up in this podcast? Well, what was interesting is as they're going through different topics and talking about different things, one of the first things they brought up was that Bill Maher's like, hey, Bernie, like, what do you think about this whole thing about daylight savings time? Now, he had said abolish daylight savings time, which is the exact opposite of what is being proposed right now. He was corrected. But Bernie's response, which honestly got a lot of laughs, it was a little hysterical, was do you care about it, essentially? And he was like, no. And by the way, guys, I am not attacking Bernie Sanders. This is not a political commentary. But I bring it up because we're taping this in April, and next week there's something called Hill Day. And a bunch of us from the ASM Advocacy Committee are going down to sort of advocate for what we're talking about. I just think it's important for people to realize that even folks that really seem to talk about the importance of social justice in this country be it whatever political affiliation that they are, it seems like someone as quote unquote liberal as Bernie Sanders doesn't even seem to care about this topic. And I found that very, it was like a rude awakening of of how like we have so many issues that we're trying to deal with. And it seems like this one kind of gets pushed down a bit, but it actually could have really profound impact to move it up in the important scale, believe it or not as opposed to perhaps what the perception is in Congress about the importance of it. What do you think about that? I mean, I think there's a couple of reasons to care about it. One, again, we've done daylight savings time permanently before it didn't work. So if we do this, it's going to fail. We're going to have spent billions of dollars changing airlines, changing radio waves, changing our lives to accommodate it, only to have it fail. So we should care about it just because of the cost. We should care about it because we're going to have people do bad in school. We're going to have more suicides. We're going to have more accidents. There was a great study by Gentry showing that later sunrise and sunsets are associated with about 20% more fatal car accidents. We're going to have dead school children like we did back in the 1970s. So those are pretty good reasons to care. People are going to pay more for their utility bills. There's a a recent survey that asked people about their values as related to permanent daylight savings time or permanent standard time. And when you ask people, do you want the time that helps your body be the healthiest? Do you want the time that helps you sleep better? Do you want the time that helps you be more productive and have your kids do best in school? Do you care about the safety of your kids standing at morning bus stops? Do you care about climate and pollution? And so all of these values really should point you to saying, I favor permanent standard time. Despite people being asked, do you want permanent daylight savings time or permanent standard time? There was this mismatch between kind of the answer people gave for that and then the values that they said were important. So it's really important for people to really understand what 
will daylight savings time do in the long run? Again, especially for families, especially for kids. It doesn't give some of the promises of reducing safety or reducing energy that some people say it does. When you look at the data, that just isn't the case. And especially as it's getting warmer out, we know that we use especially a lot more air conditioning when we're on daylight savings time. And that causes bills and energy use to go up. Awesome. So... We have a few takeaways, I think, that we would agree. I'm going to simplify them. It's going to be way too simple. So please check out the Save Standard Time videos. You could just go on YouTube, type in Save Standard Time. Like You're going to see a whole bunch of really eloquently well-done videos. So please check them out. But I think we would all agree that some takeaways would be that summer is summer. We all love a longer day. And you're going to get it no matter what because that's what happens when it gets warmer and the seasons occur. So your days are going to get longer. Daylight savings is not magical for making that happen. It's going to happen no matter what. I think we would all agree, too, that the data supports that because it's more in line with how our bodies naturally relate to the sun, we will sleep better and our mental health, in other words, will feel better if we don't do daylight savings time. I think another point would be that the majority of us agree, just like, let's stop the clock change, right? But the Sunshine Protection Act is not stopping the clock change in a favorable way. It's doing the exact opposite. And at the end of the day, we've already done this. Let's not have history repeat itself. And if you don't believe what we're saying, even if this has been looked at and we're researching it and talking about it, Why don't we do a large social experiment? What would be so bad if we already have data that daylight savings time isn't so good in just trying permanent standard time? Let's see how we all feel. Do we like it better? If we've never done it before, how would we know? So I I guess that would be my argument, too. (laughs) Any other thoughts, Karin? Well, 60% of the world uses permanent standard time. So we know it works. So let's just follow the majority of the world and go to permanent standard time. All right. I love that factoid because that's not a nugget of truth I put in my brain. And now it is in there. So I thank you so much. So as we wrap up, thank you so much for joining us. One of the things that we request that you do is just rate us because that is important for the algorithms. It gets our word out. I speak about our because even though this is something that I started, every single person like Karin, like Val, like Erica, all the folks who have come together to help me on this sort of labor of love, which is sharing information that I think is important for the world to know, we all want this message to get out. So if you could rate us, this allows for more people to have access to this information. And uh, if you're interested in a sleep telemedicine consult with me, I am seeing patients in California and New Jersey. I work with a mental health center called Oak Health Center. We started the sleep program specifically because we know there's such a strong link between sleep and mental health. And in fact, Episode nine of Safe Standard Time talks all about this and how our circadian rhythm, our natural biologic clock, also impacts our mental health. So please check it out. Karin, anything else you'd like the audience to know? Like if they want to have a consultation with you or any of the research that you are thinking about doing, final words? No, nope, but I encourage you to go to safestandardtime.com. Get involved with this issue. You can text SST to 50409 to write to your legislators. We really need just people out there getting involved in this topic and 
and appreciate any help with that. I really hate to have to do this, but these are my terms and disclaimer. This podcast is intended for persons 18 years or older. This podcast provides general information and discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The words and other content provided in this podcast and in any linked videos and materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. If the listener or any other person has a medical concern, he or she should consult with an appropriately licensed physician or other healthcare worker. The views expressed on this podcast and YouTube channel have no relation to those of any academic hospital practice or other institution with which the authors are affiliated. There is a detailed terms of use agreement. You can see it all on the YouTube channel. In the interest of brevity and the fact that it's legalese and really hard to read, I am not going to read it. But accessing, reading, or otherwise using the podcast or YouTube channel does not create a physician-patient relationship between you and me. Providing personal or medical information to me does not create a physician-patient relationship between you or me or any other contributors to this podcast. Nothing contained in the site is intended to establish a physician-patient relationship to replace the services of a trained physician or healthcare professional, or otherwise to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You hereby agree that you shall not make any medical or health-related decision based in whole or in part on anything contained in the site. You should not rely on any of the information contained in the site and related materials in making medical, health-related, or other decisions. You should consult a licensed physician or appropriately credentialed healthcare worker in your community in all matters relating to your health. You agree to indemnify and hold the author harmless from any claim or demand, including attorney's fees, made by any third party as a result of any content posted or made available to you by the site, any violation of law that occurs by you through the site, or anything you do using the site or the content contained therein. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast.